0: This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Achoo!
1: Hi, this is Josh Lucas, writer and creator of Moro's Hard-Boiled Hero, and you're listening to The Two-Handed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of break it, break it down like this.
0: Broadcasting from the ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the landmark 170th episode of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, July 16th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. When I'm not leveled and completely humbled by the fact that there are some of you that have listened to all 170 of these shows, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for woodpoint.com.
2: If you have listened to all 170 episodes of this show, I want to know who you are. Please identify yourself. Raise your digital hand. And I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not scratching my head and wondering why my co-host thinks... Episode 170 is such a landmark number. I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. In this
0: week's episode, you're going to hear our reviews of Life with Archie, number 36, and Black Market, number 1. After that... We really balanced it out. (laughs) (laughs) After that, we'll review 10 more of this week's new comics. Faster than the fire-breathing cleric to the internet can turn on a beloved comic creator and demand his termination during the ludicrous Speed Round. Then will retire to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Steve Rogers has some time off and he stopped by to discuss legalizing marijuana in Nebraska and rap about next week's comics. And then the comic pushers are rolling into sling some highly addictive comic product, but this time they're helping out the comic community as well. You'll see. But before we change our genders and give up our jobs, let's welcome the back the Cold War-themed movies which brought us such hits as Rocky IV, Red Dawn, Rambo II and III, and four. And four. Sure to hit theaters any day now with rising tensions in Russia. And then
2: we'll talk about this week's big news. I bet Dolph Lundgren is just waiting by the oh, phone. man, you know. He's, he's just drooling.
1: <laughs> we got big
2: news. This week, Marvel Comics got international media attention when they announced their new Avengers. No. initiative god damn it i thought we were done well never the latest in their continued efforts to alienate collectors and retailers alike with constant rebranding appearing on shows like the colbert Report and for some reason the view as well as in mass media publications like entertainment weekly marvel outlined their plan to launch nearly a dozen new titles in the avengers family featuring characters like ant-man dr strange angela The Inhumans, Deathlock, The Scarlet Witch, and more. Where is Latino review in all of this? I mean, I'm a little (laughs) shocked. Well, it's not movie related. (laughs) However, nothing received as much attention than the complete shakeup of Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man long considered Marvel's big three and the foundation of the Avengers franchise. There's a lot of information to parse here, and it was really late when I wrote this. (laughs) So rather than try to do my journalistic duty and present it in my own words... Here are the pertinent details straight from the PR department of Marvel itself. Quote. This fall, the Marvel Universe heads in an exciting and ambitious new direction as the industry's top creators and brightest rising stars join the top superheroes, Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, and more, to deliver the most exciting and energetic comics on the market with can't-miss all-new ongoing series, Avengers. No! is the start of a Marvel Universe like you've never seen before, says Marvel Editor-in-Chief Axel Alonso. With massive changes coming to some of our biggest characters, Avengers... no! ...is ready to kick off a bold new era of the Marvel Universe and will certainly close out 2014 with a bang. It all starts this October when Jason Aaron and Russell Dauterman bring the thunder in Thor, number one. Bereft of his mighty magic hammer Mjolnir, Thor must contend with a new god of thunder in the Marvel Universe, and she's unlike anything you've seen before. What? Who is this new mysterious leading lady? I don't know. Not even Odin knows. (laughs) Prepare for a senses-shattering new beginning as the all-new Thor thunders her way through the Marvel Universe. Then, Avengers. No! Soars to new heights in all-new Captain America number one from superstar creators Rick Remender and Stuart Immonen comes the next evolution of the Captain America mythos. Sorry, I merged those two sentences into one. Drained of the super soldier serum, the frail Steve Rogers has handpicked his shield-wielding successor, Sam Wilson, the Falcon. As the winged warrior assumes his new heroic mantle, he'll have to contend with a gauntlet of Captain America's most terrifying foes. Can the new untested Captain America stand up to his predecessor's most vile villains? Find out in this November's all-new Captain America. Number one! It only gets bolder from there (laughs) as the billionaire playboy unleashes his dark side in Superior Iron Man. Number one, rising comic stars Tom Taylor and Yildre Sinar. That is a name, baby. You bet. Craft an all new tale of Tony Stark you've never seen before. Releasing the dangerous extremist technology to the citizens of San Francisco. He'll transform the city by the bay into the city of tomorrow. But at what price? And what does a world look like? When it's consumed by technology. Find out this November in Superior Iron Man number one. End quote.
0: Holy crap.
2: This is a lot to take in.
0: Holy crap. How are you feeling? I feel like. Marvel's been feeding their PR and idea people just like a steady dose of <laughs> methamphetamine, you know? Like, all right, guys, we're going to shake it up again. And then in two weeks, we're going to shake it up even more. You know, like, whoa. I feel like I got hit by a truck this and is, I just read it. I know. This is moving faster than the WWE. <laughs> you know, like, it really is. Okay. A lot of people on Twitter freaked out. A lot of people on the internet, the, the went internet nuts.
2: The internet kind of exploded a There's little some bit. some fanboy
0: yeah. knee-jerking. Fanboy and fangirl knee-jerking, to be fair here's why I'm not scared of this. I trust Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron has been writing a fantastic Thor book. I feel that Jason Aaron had this wacky idea. They just had their Marvel retreat not too long ago. So they obviously sat down and kicked these things around and went, oh, this would be a ton of fun. Russell Dauterman, current artist in Cyclops. That guy is awesome. Mm -hmm. This is not the first time Mjolnir has changed hands. We've seen it happen several times. This isn't even the first time we've seen a Thor character switch genders. Loki was a woman not too long ago. And but this that was isn't a awesome. gender
2: switch. This is a new character as it, Thor. True. Which I will agree that it sounded kind of confusing at first. There was a seemed to be some confusion as to whether or not the female Thor was the actual Thor. I hope it's not Angela. That's it's true. not Angela. It's dumb. not Angela. Good. It's it's looking like it is a character from the Thor supporting cast. Okay. So maybe Jane Foster. Weird. But I don't hate it. Or there's a a, um, a a character named Roz who was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent that's been in the book recently. Okay. I'm a little behind. Maybe you'd remember her a little bit. Uh, vaguely. So there's a lot of speculation about who it is, but they're going to draw it out as a mystery like nobody really knows.
0: Now, it I would argue it makes sense if you've been reading Rick Remender's Uncanny Avengers because Thor f***ed up. Bad. Really, really bad. So bad, the Earth got destroyed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And in the aftermath of this, I don't think there's any way that Thor can't be in trouble. You know?
2: There's also that kind of that time runs out thing that's coming up Mm -hmm. in the Avengers books. And I'm sure that's gonna tie into it. Where it it shows Thor with the axe and the destroyer arm, like his arms got cut off. Ooh. And he's kind of becoming That old man. The old man Thor right from from the early stages. So, I mean, that's kind of cool. There's a plan right i will i will say that i kind of understand why people might feel like it's a little
0: stuntish. i get that but I, this doesn't come off to me as like jl ape for
2: example like oh your favorite character's turning into a monkey well, you're right you because know? if there's anything people love is <laughs> the people flock to is more apes in comics my point being is i think there's a
0: plan here i'm not sure, worried
2: sure yeah i know i'm not worried either i like here's the thing and i said this to somebody at legend the other day From the first time, of course it's a stunt. Of course. From the first time somebody in the 1940s said, you know what? We should put The Flash and Green Lantern and Hawkman and Wonder Woman and sit them around a big round table. Everything in comics has been a stunt since then. Yeah. I mean,
0: and honestly, you think it's going to last forever? You think Thor is never going to come back to be Thor? Sure. No.
2: But at the very least, it's going to introduce a new character into the Marvel Universe, uh, another female lead which Marvel's been really good at lately. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm kind of excited about it. I, and old Thor, I've been calling him Thor-man, <laughs> is still in the picture. It's not like he's being written out of the book. He's Thor-man. right? I like that. <laughs> it's not like he's being written out of the book. It's just that he's not carrying the hammer anymore because of reasons. Okay. And I want to know what those reasons are. And we're going to get him, Steve yeah. Rogers, stepping down. I think this feels... Much more organic than the Thor thing because, of yeah. course, the Falcon is going to be Captain America if Steve can't. And I think
0: last time they did this when Cap died, I was one of them when on record, like, why is not Sam do it? Yeah. Why not let Sam do it? You know, that makes more sense than Hawkeye. I mean. Well, <laughs> I mean, it, like, sure.
2: Well, I'm, of course, they had that series where who's it going to be? Here's eight different people. It might right. be. Right, right. And I'm glad that it ended up being Bucky because at that time Bucky needed some time in the spotlight. And it was a great story. For for people to get used to him being a a lead character in the Marvel universe. And
0: again, Ed Brubaker had a plan for that. It all happened very naturally and it was great. We loved it.
2: But now it's the Falcon's turn, man, and I'm into it. I'm totally into it. That that preview piece they sent out with Stuart Eminem Falcon Cap is amazing. It's amazing. So I am excited for this one. I need to get a little caught up on Captain America, but I've been enjoying it a lot so far. It seems like a very natural uh, progression from where Remender started. Absolutely. So I am into it. Iron Man. This is the one that seems... Not that it doesn't sound interesting, but it's the least dramatic. That's where I'm right? at.
0: Where they're like, something big is going to happen to all three of them, and this
2: is what it is for Iron Man? Like, Why is he doing that? Okay, so this is kind of what I've put together just from reading interviews here and there. There's this event coming up called Axis. Right. And something happens during Axis that kind of leads to all of this stuff, I think, or okay. or at least some of it. Especially the Iron Man
0: thing. Axis looks like it's going to be Avengers X-Men versus Onslaught,
2: maybe? Um, well, it's the Red Skull with, with oh, Professor the, Axis Powers, right. right? And then this group of villains. Nobody really knows what Axis is about. It comes out in two months.
0: It looks like it's coming out of the pages of Uncanny Avengers.
2: Though. Yes. Um, but there's a rumor that it's going to be like a kind of an, a very Silver age style. The villains are going to swap minds with the heroes. Whoa. That's one of the rumors. Like. All of a sudden, uh, Sabretooth is going to be in charge of somebody's body or whatever. I don't know. I wonder who it would be. Probably Storm, (laughs) right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's true, but as a result of Axis, Iron Man is like, you know what? F*** this. I'm going to go do what I want, and I'm going to change this world, and if you guys don't like it, you can come find me. Okay, there's also
0: the aspect that titling it Superior Iron Man number 1 would lead you to suspect that maybe a bad guy is in Tony Stark's body.
2: Well, they've said that it is it is really Tony. Well, they, They've said that it's really going to be Tony. It's really Tony's body. But it that but something his attitude has shifted as a result of this storyline where huh. he has decided to take matters into his own hands whether the heroes his partner heroes like it or not. And he's just going to say, "Look, the world needs this technology." Here it is. I'm starting in San Francisco, and who knows
0: what he's going to do to it. Boom. Blade Runner City. Just like that. Sure, right. I love it. Which sounds awesome. It sounds totally rad. I love all this. I think Marvel's doing a kick-ass job. I think they continually, year by year, are finding great ways to shake (laughs) up, upset people, and whether you're happy or sad, you're going to come to check out and see what's going on.
2: Yeah, I think that this is a fun ride, and at the very least, I want to see how it ends. Take heart in the fact that the new Thor is not Angela. Because she will definitely be getting her own ongoing Man, series. That would be stupid. <laughs> so just get ready for that.
0: <laughs> In Hollywood news, legendary comic writer Alan Moore has called for a boycott of the upcoming Paramount MGM film Hercules, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, due to mistreatment of writer Steve Moore by both the film studio and the publisher of the source material. The film is based on a series of comics written by scholar Steve Moore for Radical Comics. According to Alan Moore, no relation... Steve Moore was essentially cheated out of financial compensation for film adaptations of his work through a series of altered contracts. Though his hands were bound legally speaking, he asked his name to be removed from the film project. The request was honored until March of this year, at which time the studio decided to publicize the film by capitalizing on Moore's unfortunate passing. Ugh, While so techni- he died and they were like, you know what? Contract invalid. Yeah. Which technically, yeah, he's a dead man, I guess. While technically legal in every way, Moore never saw a dime for the film rights to his work, and the studio's behavior is completely contrary to his wishes. It's an interesting addition to our discussion about ownership and creators' rights from last week, and, a brutal bummer... Because I thought Hercules looked like big, dumb, fun. I was super excited. Yeah, man.
2: He's wearing a lion head. It looks great. Yeah, and
0: like I bought those Radical comics. They were fun as hell, man. The Thracian War and stuff. It was yeah. really good. And what Steve Moore was doing was actually adapting the old Greek mythology. It
2: was deeply steeped in forgotten lore. Right. Like legitimate mythological lore. And Alan Moore, in, in this interview that he's come out and done... Talks about how Steve Moore would have talks with the movie studio or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, so you invented this character, blah, blah, blah. No, the lawyers contacted me like, when did you you invent Atalanta? Nope. That's not, it's a real thing. I didn't, you dip. Yeah, Yeah.
0: And like they left out Hylas, which was like Hercules' boyfriend. Yeah. Basically, because Hercules loved boys and girls, man. Dude, that dude will put it in
2: anything. I'll (laughs) tell you what, it doubles his chances for a date. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I mean, Steve had no... Confidence that this movie was going to be anything but a complete train wreck. Right. And when he got cheated... Okay, all right. So he didn't get cheated, right? But according to Alan Moore... So obviously this is all hearsay and third-hand and we won't really know. Of course. Radical kept altering the contract every time it was time to renew. And Steve maybe like didn't notice that the clause about payment for film royalties was removed or it just got lost
0: in piles of paperwork i mean
2: and so when it got optioned he got nothing and so when he saw that he was getting nothing and that they were way off base with their take on it he's like just take my name off it man the minute he died the film studio was like deeply saddened uh at the passing of steve moore writer of the material that we are adapting Hercules from soon to be a mo- major motion picture from Paramount. And if
0: you go to the radical site right now, it's all over. They've got it's a branded. banner for the movie yeah. and everything. It's it's disgusting. It's it's
2: really gross. This
0: is really bad handling of this. I'm mad at The Rock. I'm mad at the studio. Well,
2: like The Rock, I'm willing to bet that The Rock doesn't really un- know all Regardless, this. Regardless, but... it's out there. The Rock can do a quick
0: Google search and find this out. I guarantee the lawyers have talked to him about it and said, "Don't mention anything about this in any interviews. If know. someone throws a question at you, it's gross. It's just f-ing gross, man." Yeah,
2: so Alan Moore says, "Don't see Don't see Hercules." And you know what? THN says, "Don't see f-ing
0: Hercules." You know man. what? There's a way you can do it. Steal it from the internet. That's exactly what I was going to say. Steal it from the
2: internet. Watch it at home you're naked, but don't pay a cent for this, man. The Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast does not condone stealing things from the internet unless, of course, the producer of said things have cheated people out of their hard-earned money Yeah, and lied to people to their faces, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They deserve what's coming to them. Screw you, Radical Comics. You're terrible people. On a happier note, Valiant Entertainment has announced that a film adaptation of Archer and Armstrong is in development. The film will be produced by the Sean Daniel company, known for such classics as The Mummy, The Mummy Returns and The Mummy: colon, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. What about The Scorpion King? I don't know. The Scorpion I mean, King? Come on. <laughs> Maybe The Scorpion King. <laughs> what about The Scorpion King 2? Archer and Armstrong. The DVD one.
0: I think Goldberg was The Scorpion King in the second one. <laughs>
2: Archer and Armstrong is an action and adventure buddy comedy colliding a drunk, delinquent immortal who has given up on saving the world and the idealistic young man who needs him for a globe-trotting quest to stop history's oldest conspiracy from toppling modern civilization. The concept was created by comics legends Jim Shooter and Barry Windsor Smith in 1992 and was relaunched in 2012 by the newly reformed Valiant. Archer and Armstrong will be scripted by newcomer Ben David Grabinski, who has two first names crushed together. <laughs> yeah, he does. Like Doug Kevin. Yeah, yep. Know? <laughs> yep. Uh,
0: Tony Doug. <laughs> yeah, Tony Doug. Like Tony <laughs> Doug.
2: In a press release, producer Sean Daniel said, "Quote: Archer and Armstrong is one of the greatest untapped franchises in comics, and Ben David's script is delivering a vision for these characters that has made us all very, very excited. The movie is about the relationship between these two amazing characters." the comic clash between optimism and pessimism and how family is the most important unifier. It combines globe spanning action with Ben David's singular sense of humor. A lovable scam. You know ben what David. a, you know what a cut up he is <laughs> and is rooted in resonant themes that give it a powerful emotional core End quote, Matt, these buzzwords are giving me a headache. Are you excited at the idea of an Archer and Armstrong film? Yes and no excited because I
0: love Archer and Armstrong. I love the old one. I love the new valiant one. But it's, again, and I know I say this over and over and over again, I feel like Archer and Armstrong is a big enough story that it would lend itself to a series so much better. And I don't even care where it is. It's lighthearted enough that you could do it on network television, and it'd be fun. Immortal, crazy religious guy, you know, fighting together all sorts of weird historical tie-ins and stuff. It would be expensive to make. And I'm sure it'll be a a perfectly good movie. Uh, Well, hopefully it'll be a perfectly good movie. (laughs) But something like this, I think, would lend itself better to a television series regardless. Yes, I'm excited.
2: I mean, not everything is a TV show. They're not going to make course. everything
0: into a TV show. Of course. So, Although it seems anymore, you turn a comic into a TV show, instant hit.
2: That's true. I'm, I'm kind of excited for it. I'm maybe not so much excited as I am cautiously optimistic. I like Archer and Armstrong a whole lot.
0: Yeah. But if you're not caught up on that book, by the way, you should be. Yeah, it's so goddamn good.
2: I actually have no idea. Like, yeah, these guys produced all these mummy movies and stuff, but they're just the production company that they didn't write them. You know, so I (laughs) I don't know.
0: With a name like Tony Bill, how can you go wrong? Or Ben David, or whatever they call (laughs) him.
2: Yeah, we'll see how this one develops. It should be fun. I, I like to see uh, non-Big 2 properties getting made into
0: movies yeah, for if, a change. Valiant makes some money on this, and that's good for them. Great. Valiant's kicking ass. More power to them. There you go. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or everything else you think we missed, hit us up on the THN Forums where Joe has removed my administrative permissions after a rumor on the internet that I died earlier this week.
2: It's all mine. Yeah. It's all (laughs) mine. I'm
0: alive, so the contract is still valid, But I have (laughs) changed the locks. Every Sunday, my favorite Scorpion King fan fiction writer, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in our THN web forum. I should mention his Scorpion King fan fiction, a little on the gay side. Which you can find by clicking... It doubles his chances. (laughs) You can find by clicking the link at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe, what are we asking Melissa Nerds this week?
2: This week's question comes courtesy of Ryan Mount, who has pledged to call in for the first time. He's a good kid, that Ryan Mount. What is your favorite early work by a creator? Lesser known work from big time creators before they were big names. Awesome question. For example... This is Ryan... For example, I just picked up Mighty Mouse number 10 from the 90s, written by Dan Slott.
0: Yeah, man. That's a fun question. There you go. And I immediately knew my answer. Yeah, Cyberfrog by Ethan Skyber.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, That's Cyberfrog. That's Cyberfrog, baby. <laughs> uh, Space Beavers by Derek Robertson. <laughs> you have until midnight this coming Thursday, July 24th. I did that math on the fly wow. to get us your wow. answer. You can call us and leave a message with your answer using Skype. That handle is 2 nerd, all one word. Or call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Remember, whatever you do, keep it short. Two or three minutes at the maximum, or you will get cut off. We got a lot to get to. This week's answer of the week is going to be long. Woo! A lot of calls. Yeah. You can also send an mp3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com. Again, keep it short. But if you need more time... Feel free to write your full answer in the question of the week section of the THN web forums.
0: When he says keep it short under 3 minutes. Got that nerds? Under 3 minutes. And
2: remember, one answer. One answer. I don't want to hear your top 5. I nope. don't want you I don't even want to hear your top 2. Feel free to do that on the forums. Just pick a fun one and let's talk about it. Let's do it.
0: It's review time on THN, where Joe and I jerk our knees out of their sockets while screaming about two of this week's new comics. Joe, take a deep breath, exhale, and count to three, I'm pop this sucker back into place, and then you tell the kids about what you reviewed this week. Ready? I'm ready. One.
2: <laughs> Life with Archie!
0: <laughs> Yo, you never count to three. You gotta surprise <sighs> That's how it goes.
2: That's
0: how they, that's how they did it in Lethal Weapon. <laughs>
2: Life with Archie, number 36, from Archie Comics, written by Paul Kupperberg, with art by Pat and Tim Kennedy. I'm not going to read the solicit. Well, maybe I will. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. Archie makes the ultimate sacrifice to save a friend. That's the bottom (laughs) line. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I read it last week. Okay, fair enough. This is the culmination of the Life with Archie storyline. Archie gives up his life to save a friend. Archie dies. We all knew it was coming. We've talked about it on the show. Shotgun blast, takes his head
0: clean off his shoulders in the goriest Archie panel you've seen (laughs) since Afterlife with Archie.
2: The trajectory of Archie Comics as a publisher over the past several years has been amazing to watch. From openly gay starring characters to complete and horrific tonal 180s, Archie has gotten a reputation as a company that does what they want and they don't give two shits what anyone thinks. They become like liberal fan fiction. Yeah, (laughs) basically. (laughs) One of the more noteworthy moves they've made was the decision to marry off Archie Andrews in a pair of what-if style stories that depict his life with either Betty or Veronica. Life with Archie number 36 is the tragic climax of this bizarre run and it's executed with near perfect precision. I've been an Archie fan my entire life, begging my mom for digest reprints in the grocery store checkout line is one of my earliest comic book memories. It's true that I haven't been a dedicated fan. I stopped following the characters as I entered adolescence. But every time I check back in with Archie... Probably for the best. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're mainly aimed at kids, or they were. There was a long time where I said Archie was for kids
0: and perverts, basically. And now that has changed. There's nothing perverted about Archie. There's something weird about adults reading it. I don't know. Anyway.
2: But every time I check in with Archie and the gang has been like coming home and this was no different. Rather than present two versions of the story, writer Paul Kupperberg begins the issue with a lengthy recap, explaining in detail the differences in the two timelines and how they relate to one another. And you thought Infinite Crisis was confusing? (laughs) Holy s***. This was nuts. Kupperberg deftly avoids any identifying details, even going so far as to obscure the identity of Archie's wife thus ensuring that this story acts as a climax to both timelines. Some might find it infuriating, but I thought it was brilliant as a storytelling device. Archie spends the issue reminiscing about the path his life has taken and how the choices he's made have impacted and might impact the world around him and his future. Old friends are reintroduced, and quick flashes of Archie's history with them are shown, immediately avoiding the trap of introducing a parade of nameless faces without providing a sense of context and connection. The whole thing, I thought, was really very touching, even without the inevitable tragedy. As the solicit promises, Archie makes the ultimate sacrifice to save a friend, and after he delivers his final words to the two loves of his life, Kupperberg's story ends as it began. The art by Pat and Tim Kennedy is pretty standard Archie House style, but their inventive page layouts and camera angles keep a book that's 90%, I wrote 90%, it's more like 99%, talking heads from getting boring. The colors by legendary Superman colorist Glenn Whitmore are light and vibrant at the beginning, intensifying as the climactic moment gets closer and closer. There's nothing visually groundbreaking, but the cartooning is just solid all the way through. I realize how ridiculous it all sounds, and how this and everything else Archie Comics announces could be seen as nothing more than publicity stunts. Maybe they are, but it's all delivered with such life-affirming sincerity and heart that I can't help but assume good intent on the part of everyone involved. Life with Archie 36 isn't the final chapter of the story. There's an epilogue coming next week that's set one year after Archie's death. And I know that that's the one that's going to get me. I'm going to be a f- wreck when it's over. <laughs> Is this issue a must-read for people that have never cared about Archie? Of course not. But it's an extremely well-told and I think important story with strong art and a good message. I will be the first to admit that I'm completely biased, but I think this is still a buy it regardless of your attachment to the character.
0: I'm going to say something controversial. For a What else time, is new? I hated Archie comics forever just because, in my mind, they were the exact opposite of what I loved about superhero comics. When the comics code came in and made everybody dole everything down, Archie was always like, hey, we're already like <laughs> completely wishy-washy, like bull, you know, punny humor. So here you go. Archie has done has made a three hundred and sixty degree turnaround, ending up right back where they were. Okay, good. <laughs> with this perfect sensibility for the now, they have modernized Archie. They have brought in things that never could have happened in Riverdale: school shootings, gay people like blacks. Seriously. Yes. I mean, people of color, like they show Riverdale and there's like an Indian woman with a head wrap on walking with her kids and stuff in a Archie comic. That's insane. It was the whitest of white comics in the world back in the day. They have modernized Archie so well and made it so poignant. I'm saying this is a must read. If you've been wondering why we keep saying that like Archie is this incredible publisher and just absolutely blown away what they're doing, pick this up and read it. You won't believe what's going on in this book. It was well-written. It was touching. It was Archie looking at his past and his future, and he sounded like a person, not a ridiculous comic book or cartoon character. I thought this was excellent. I'm giving this a gigantic buy it. I think this is must-read stuff, and not just because of the stunt of Archie getting shot, more to show you that there's no rules in Archie Comics anymore.
2: None. Well, yeah, and that's the thing about Archie Comics is that while it's easy to think that they were always this kind of white bread, bland stuff, Archie Comics have always reflected the time
0: yeah. in which they were published. They've always existed very well where they were.
2: Right. You know? And so, yeah, it's it does have that kind of safe, non-boundary-pushing humor. Right. They've also never, ever, ever shied away from showing characters having to deal with the consequences of their actions. Yeah. And while those consequences have never been the death of a beloved character up until this point, Yeah, you know, Archie has always... I mean, it's not like we're talking Richie Rich or or Garfield here. Like, they've never been afraid to have Archie screw up and have to deal with it, you know? I suppose, or, yeah, I suppose that's true. Or learn a lesson.
0: It's always... Not to mention the fact just push boundaries. Like, Marvel and DC... A few years ago, we're introducing gay characters to get, you know, in into the USA Today to get press or whatever. And Archie was like, we, hey, here's our gay character. He's kissing a dude on the cover. He's getting married next month. What do you think of that? You know? He's it's running like, for president. F- it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I just love it. They're like, whatever. You know? You don't like it? Scream about it all you want. Weird is. I loved this comic. I thought it was great. Yeah. I can't believe I'm fucking saying it, but I thought it
2: was great. <laughs> Can we please talk about something grim and terrible? Let's talk about Black Market number one from Boom.
0: This is written by Frank J. Barbieri. I looked up how to pronounce his name. That's how you say it. Art by Victor Santos. Here's your solicit. Ray Willis is a broken man, a disgraced medical examiner, making ends meet by preparing corpses at a funeral parlor. His scientific genius is being wasted. That is, until his estranged criminal brother, Denny, shows up on his doorstep Supposedly cleaned up and proposing a -a once-in-a-lifetime partnership to cure not just cancer, but all disease. The catch? It exists within the DNA of superheroes. Barbieri is so good at dropping little nuances into his characters that make them more believable. Here, he does a fantastic job telling the story of a completely normal guy living in the shadows of super people that could, quote, level a stadium, and how that psychology wears on someone who is really quite brilliant, but can't lift a car over his head, for example. Right. And alongside an amazing art talent, like the Mice Templar artist, Victor Santos, whose cartoonish art style reminds me what I love about Darwin Cook and guys like Javier Polito, This story really shines. Barbieri's story jumps violently between past and present as we see Ray dealing with his wife's MS and being pulled into the criminal world of black market superhero DNA by his brother, Denny. Denny is obviously in it to get rich, but Ray sees it as a necessary evil to not only cure disease everywhere, but cure his wife and everyone's ailing loved ones. He's been dealing with her MS for years now and feels completely powerless. This seems to be a way out. This is a story of what happens when a good man is pushed too far by a disease that's eating the only person he loves. It's about taking the power back from people above the powerless, whether it's Meant well or not, I guess. There's an overriding theme of survival to the story that Victor Santos illustrates perfectly, packing each panel full of emotion as we witness Ray's slow descent into acceptance. This reminded me very much of like Breaking Bad with superheroes. This is feel bad comic book storytelling at its best. I really enjoyed this, giving it a huge buy it.
2: I really liked it, too. I-, I love the concept above everything else. Uh, the idea that the blood of these heroes holds all of these secrets is really compelling. Well, yeah, like they don't get cancer. Right.
0: They don't get, you know, arthritis even. They don't, you know, have, suffer from Alzheimer's. They've got super DNA.
2: Or I, I also really enjoyed, like, there's a scene where Ray's brother, Denny, is like, oh, no, man, it's fine. We're just going to drug him. Yeah. Draw a little blood and then drop him off, no one gets hurt, everyone wins, and of course that's not the case, right? Nope. <laughs> and I just thought oh, that's so good, but in the narration you get the sense that while maybe they told him that to placate him, Ray understands that that's probably not the real the reality.
0: I think he doesn't totally believe his brother, but when it gets to the reality of it, he realizes we're just too deep into this already. Yeah. And now we don't have a choice.
2: But I thought this was a lot of fun. It's going to be a a cool, like, little four-issue ride. It's a mini series right now. Check it out. You won't regret it. Buy it from me as well. So that is a double buy
0: it for Life with Archie, number 36, and a double buy it for Black Market, number one. Of course, we want to know what you ginger-haired martyrs and desperate sweethearts turned criminals thought of these comics. So take careful aim and blow us away with your opinions over at the This Week's Comics section at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. If you try and shoot me, Joe Patrick will jump in front of me and take the bullet. I'm just saying.
2: I will. It's true. As I'm sure you've heard, Matt has come under fire after revealing that he artificially aged his wife, Casey, in a secret, separate dimension where he and his evil pug cohort, Beeps, were building an army to march into our reality and bring back Slam Ball, a short-lived professional basketball game played with trampolines. It was amazing. That is a complicated mastermind (laughs) plan. Yes, she was 14 when we first met Casey, but she's like 32 or something now. Wretchedly old. And a consenting adult, so it's time to put an end to the Fire map Bomb hashtag as quickly as possible while we review 10 of this week's new comics during the ludicrous speed round ludicrous speed go robin rises omega apparently this is the end of the story yeah yeah from dc pete tomasi and adam kubert unite for this one shot that sets the stage for the robin rises storyline it's fun and well drawn and honestly i was glad to have the lengthy recap but i thought setting the stage for robin rises was the whole point of the last 10 issues of batman and robin it's completely unnecessary But I guess it serves to draw more attention to the story. And if you haven't been reading Batman and Robin, this is a good primer. It's well executed, so skim it. The Devilers, number one from Dynamite. Joshua
0: Hale-Fielkov writes the story of a skeptic interviewing a heretic priest called to stop an invasion from hell, along with a very specialized team of believers, criminals, and children. Excellent art here from newcomer Matt Traiano. This is a very personal story that explores the idea of losing one's religion in the face of what is supposed to be evil, but could be something else. I really like this a lot. I'm giving it a vibe. I thought it was kind
2: of uh, mediocre. I'm giving it a skin. (laughs) (laughs) Doberman, number one from IDW. Picture Doberman. It's Doberman, like the dog. Okay picture Kurt Russell as Jack Burton playing Sylvester Stallone's part in Cobra. Whoa. And you've just about got a sense of what Doberman's all about. Silly, fun, over-the-top 80s cop movie action with pretty decent art. I wasn't expecting much, but I ended up really enjoying this one. Buy it. Lady Zorro, number one from Dynamite. As you may have guessed from the
0: title, this is the adventures of a female Zorro, but it's not an analog or character from another dimension. It's the adventures of a badass woman that Zorro knows who just happens to put on a mask and fight bad guys. This time, it's German soldiers, which leads me to wonder about the timeline, but whatever. World War I? Maybe. Bad art, weak dialogue, including Lady Zorro dropping in line, bring it, Blanquita! And a somewhat confusing story all leads me to tell you to leave it. What does Blankita mean? White girl? White chick, I guess. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Like The Squitter, number one from IDW. With a name like that. I mean, how can you not?
2: <laughs> ben Templesmith is back with a brutal story that's equal parts Warhammer and Lovecraft. I know that his work doesn't appeal to everyone, but I've always been a fan. This is a fun story about a soldier whose war never ended, trying to free his world from giant squid monsters. <laughs> it should be a great ride. It's Again, it's another little four-issue thing. I'm giving it a buy-it. Ben Smith, out of his mind. I love him You too. betcha. The Last Fall, number one from
0: IDW. The story here centers around a religious conflict not unlike Israel and Palestine, where nobody even remembers why they're fighting. But here, it's sci-fi, so it's two different planets at war for religious reasons. We meet Sergeant Fall, who's had enough of the religious propaganda and has decided to win this war or at least get killed trying. Really well-written and timely sci-fi by Tom Waltz with solid art by Casey Maloney. I'm giving this a buy Team Teen Titans, number one, from DC. I'm so glad they're giving this book a chance. You
2: know? <laughs> it's about time Teen Titans came back. Like last week's new Suicide Squad, Teen Titans gets a relaunch for no apparent reason. New writer Will Pfeiffer delivers a solid script that showcases each member of the team, but the book is hamstrung by Kenneth Rockefort's pretty but completely stiff art. And while I have a lot of problems with the aesthetics of the New 52 in general, the character designs in Teen Titans are criminally bad. They really are.
0: It's terrible.
2: This book needs a big-time visual overhaul, but Pfeiffer is a good writer that shows way more promise on this title than I saw in Lobdell. So skim it. Harbinger, number 25 from Valiant.
0: Writer Joshua Dysart's rise and fall of Toyo Harada, the most powerful sciat in the Valiant U, is coming to a violent conclusion. And as he's proved many times over, nothing is going to be the same. The world building in Harbinger just keeps getting bigger and better fans of hardcore continuity, look no further. It does not get much better than this. Keith Silva. And with art by Kari Evans, Barry Kitson, Justin Jordan, and Riley Rosmo, along with regular series artist Miko Suyan, you cannot ask for a more talented team. This book
2: is awesome. Buy it. Dark Engine, number one from Image. Let me see if I've got this straight. Mystical scientists from a dark future send a genetically engineered killing machine back in time to rewrite history, but every time she goes back, she bursts into the world through the womb of a living creature Oh uh, yeah sure okay <laughs> just just reading that like Terminator sentence. Terminator if he had a mommy yeah right <laughs> just reading that sentence made me want to read this issue again and the art by John Bivens doesn't hurt either buy it sounds gross it is gross Army of Darkness, Ash gets hitched. Number one from Dynamite. I wanted to love Army of Darkness comics
0: since they first hit the shelves way back in 1992. That was the Dark Horse one. It's worth a a lot of money if you can find it. But they never captured the magic of Sam Raimi's cult movie hit. Here, Steve Niles does a great job nailing Ash's character, which admittedly should not be difficult. right? John Wayne is an asshole and you got it. And the art by Nacho Tenorio is very solid. I'm guessing Nacho's real name is Ignacio. (laughs) This is Nacho Tenorio. (laughs) This is playing on the movie continuity, so it felt a little more familiar than the other Ash comics I've read. I had a good time with this one. Giving it a buy
1: it.
2: (laughs) That's your ludicrous speed round, and schlock is the sound of a nameless Viking soldier burying his hand axe deep in the chest of a giant hooded deadite as seen in the pages of Army of Darkness. Ash gets hitched. Number one.
0: I'm sure you've heard the news. Steve Rogers is stepping down his cap for a while and letting his buddy, the Falcon, pick up the shield. What you might not have known is Steve is using his downtime, traveling state to state, fighting for the legalization of marijuana.
2: Sure, of course he is. It
0: seems after being drained of the super serum, he's a little achy, which I get. (laughs) Just been beat up. We caught up with Steve on his Nebraska stop where he was explaining the re-nitrifying properties of marijuana plants in over-farmed soil to local soy and corn farmers. Steve was nice enough to come back to the ziggurat to sample some of Nebraska's dankest crops and rap with us about next week's comics. Joey, now that the Sentinel Liberty has us feeling nice and mellow, tell the kids what you're pumped to read next week. Dank is one of my favorite
2: adjectives. It's a good adjective, right? My pick for next week is Supreme, Blue Rose, number one from Image Comics, written by Warren Ellis with art by Tula Lote. I love this solicit. I love it. (laughs) Here it is. You are not dreaming. We are trying to communicate with you. Local reality has been reinstalled. Things have gone wrong. The revision has corrupted. Finding Ethan Crane is your supreme priority. We are speaking to you from the ultimate bunker within the structure of multiversal time. Do not trust Darius Dax. We are all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Supreme Blue Rose reintroducing the Central Image Comics character with Warren Ellis and Tula Lote. Central, I don't know, but still, is Supreme a girl now? I honestly have no idea. I don't know what the f- is going on. There's here. a there's there's a woman on the cover of this Definitely. thing, but she's not dressed like Supreme. No. Well, no. Ethan Crane is Supreme. Right. So they mentioned Ethan Crane. Yeah. So we have to. Mm, so maybe she's trying to find him. Who knows, man. It's Warren Ellis coming back in to reinvent a character just like he's done with Moon Knight. Bonkers sci-fi. How can I not make it my pick? It looks like fun. Speaking of bonkers sci-fi, hit us with your pick. Transformers versus G.I.
0: Joe, number one from IDW. Written and drawn by the criminally insane Tom
2: Scioli. I love him. It's co-written also by John Barber, who writes IDW's Transformers books. Oh, that's true. I apologize. So listen, Space War, number one.
0: Earth makes contact with an alien race, and G.I. Joe is on the front lines of first contact. But when the Transformers arrive, their version of peace does not match our own. Oh, s. Tom Scioli has been leaking images of this on his Tumblr for a few months now, and they're so cool. This is the guy that drew Godland with Joe Casey. And he is Jack Kirby on acid, man. The, he's so good.
2: <laughs> now, if you were lucky enough to get the free Comic Book Day preview of this, this is this is the series that that was leading to. Yeah. So I did not get a copy, and I'm mad as hell about it. Yeah, I think it sells for like ten bucks online right now. It's so hard to find. It's free Comic Book Day comic. Should never be valuable. It's stupid, right? The THN trade of the week is the Sakai Project, 30 years of Yusage Yojimbo hardcover from Dark Horse Comics. Here's your solicit. The most amazing artists in the world have come together to celebrate 30 years of Stan Sakai's marvelous samurai rabbit, Saga Yusage Yojimbo. That was not a mistake. It just sounded like it. It, Yeah. The participating artists bring their own interpretations and their own styles to the subject, making this book a -a one-of-a-kind treasure. Produced in association with the Comic Art Professional Society, caps, all proceeds from this book will go to Stan and Sharon Sakai. You guys may remember hearing that they fell in hard times. Sharon had some medical problems, and of course, freelance comic artist does not. Raking the dough like yeah. you might imagine. So, support this book. Support Sakai and his wife. It's a good cause. He's a good guy. It's a great book. Never heard a bad thing about Stan Sakai. And the list of people contributing to this thing is bonkers. Very cool. After
0: you are done taking a long, slow draw on a gigantic spliff with your favorite superhero, be sure to let us know what you'll be reading next week over at the THN Forum.
2: I hope you guys are ready for this. I got my shirt off. It's quite the sight. I've been drinking. (laughs) Cap got us high. Feeling
0: real loose. Super mellow in here.
2: Damn, it feels good to be a gamer. A real gamer ass nerd plays his cards right. A real gamer ass nerd never runs his mouth cause they get booted from the lobby if they start fights. And nerds always gotta have the high score showing online peeps how they shot them. But real gamer ass nerds don't flex much cause ripped up muscles, yo, they don't got them. And everything is cool in the mind of a gamer cause gamer ass nerds think deep. Playing X-Bone all the time 24 seven cause real gamer ass nerds don't sleep. And all I gotta say to you wanna be gonna be Corpse Camp and XP grinding griefsters cause when the bops mobs hit, what the f- you gonna do? Damn, it feels good to be a gamer.
0: Boosh! There it is, see? Founding Ghetto Boy.
2: <laughs> Joe Patrick. Founding Ghetto Boy.
0: That's right, it's been a minute, but the comic pushers are back, setting one comic junkie up with some new, highly addictive reads, but that's not all. Comic pushers have taken some serious in the press lately, and... They're here to prove they ain't just hard ass product slinging gangsters, they're regular Robin Hoods. Helping out the comic community by highlighting some up and coming creators that need your help. But first, let's take care of some business.
2: This week, a stanky ass skinny tweaker named Cameron Lobrillo asked. Hey guys, I recently dipped my toe into the world of DC and after reading Crisis on Infinite Earths, I was excited to dig deeper. Of all the heroes, Flash is the one who appeals to me most. Even before reading Crisis, I had picked up Jeff Johns' Omnibus Volume 1, which I am reading now. Other than the Jeff Johns stuff, what Flash should I read? Keep in mind, I don't usually enjoy stories that are dark and gritty. Baby. I much prefer the 70s and 80s style escapism and adventure. Help a brother out. Sincerely. Carl Smith. Carl Smith. AKA Camera liberal
0: Joe, I'm gonna let you take this one. You're the Flash Dork here.
2: Heck yeah, man. So I know that we've talked about it before on the show, uh, but Mark Wade's run on the Flash is probably my favorite Flash run of all time. Really wonderful stuff. I love the Jeff Johns run on the character. He added great things to that mythology. But even though at that time Flash had been around for 30 years, Mark Wade was the one that really fleshed out Wally West as the Flash.
0: That kind of built a family around him. Yeah, absolutely. Made Keystone City like a real place.
2: Right. And so his run started in 1992. His his proper run started in 1992 with issue 62. There was a four-issue story. Uh, it was Flash year one. It was subtitled Born to Run. And that was collected. Well, I doubt it's in print. I bet it's still is. But it was collected. And it's the story of how Wally became Kid Flash.
0: This is back in 1992.
2: Yeah. And it's just a wonderful tale about how he met Barry Allen. Kind of a A reimagining in the modern day, explaining how Wally met Barry and how through the exact same freak accident gained the same powers and Wade added the little touches. Go figure. Yeah. From there, Wade just goes on to add so much stuff to that character. The idea of the legacy and how important his family is to him and how he's living in Barry's shadow and trying to live up to Barry's ideal. Not to mention building up like the rogues, Gorilla Grodd, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, like really fleshing out the bad guys as well. And because time travel has always been such a huge part of the Flash, it's not just his present that he's dealing with. He sets up centuries worth of Flash lore like descendants from from oh, crazy yeah. future centuries that all end end up in the book from time to time. It's just a really fun thrill ride, high adventure. That's where we first met Impulse, right? Impulse was added to the DC universe. He later became Kid Flash.
0: He brought back Max Mercury, who was brought kind of back a forgotten Max Mercury, Golden Age guy.
2: Yep, he was. Uh, he kind of linked all the speedsters together. As one, uh, as a group of people drawing from the same pool of power. Yeah, he fleshed out the Speed Force. He created the idea of right? the Speed Force. So Wade just brought together all these disparate elements from 40 or 50 years worth of DC lore and linked them into this Flash family. And that's what I love so much about it. And that's what I lament so much about DC and what they've lost. When I talk about the sense of legacy and how important these characters are and the history behind them, I'm talking almost specifically about the Flash.
0: Really? Yeah. No, absolutely.
2: Mark Wade did a lot to kind of flesh out how Flash's powers work. He was kind of limited at first in the post-Crisis DC universe, but he, when they discovered the speed force and stuff, he way ramped up and he became almost like the god of speed. He had all these cool tricks. It wasn't just running fast. Yeah, it you became know?
0: like a speed elemental. Yeah, almost. it was
2: really interesting stuff. So for me, like an essential Mark Wade storyline is The Return of Barry Allen. It came not far into Wade's run, maybe 10 issues into Wade's run, and it was a five-part storyline leading up to issue 75. 74 through 79, 1993. Through time travel trickery, it looks like Barry Allen has returned from the dead, and the reunion does not go as Wally has always pictured it. A
0: kick-ass story.
2: And there are twists and turns, and I won't tell you what happens, of course, but it's probably one of the best Stories in Wade's run. You got eight years of comics in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really just can't go wrong just by going and grabbing a whole stack of them. Impulse as well, highly recommended. Mark Wade, Humberto Ramos. He did the first two years of that book. Yeah. Wonderful stuff. Really great stuff. And it is, it is what I am thinking about when I look off into the distance and get all misty-eyed about DC of the past.
0: It is going to leave you upset about the state of The Flash now, definitely.
2: But you know what? We always have back issues. That's right. Thanks for your question, Carl. We hope our Flash suggestions get you good and f***ed up on DC speedster Stories, but we're not done yet. That's right. Starting this month, the comic purchase will be highlighting an upcoming comic creator that needs your
0: help. This month, we're talking to one of our own listeners, Josh Lucas, who's looking to crowdfund his comic, Morose, a hard-boiled hero. Josh, take it away, buddy.
1: All right, here we go. More Rose, right? He is just simply put a badass. Um, I just wanted to write like a comic book character. I like you know the darker stuff, like Frank Miller, like some Alan Moore stuff. You know, I read comic books. I love comic books, and comic books these days are a little bit watered down. You know, they're kind of like, here's what's happening. Get excited for the next issue. And I kind of feel robbed sometimes when I spend four dollars on like almost like a solicitation. So I wanted to really dig in give people like just robust issues with all kinds of story and badassery and uh, it's in a detective noir type style you know he's like a detective in a city that's corrupt uh the very beginning of the book happens he can't get away even though he knows the mob is like you know cutting up his city like a cake and so he decides to do something about it it's also thing he actually is more like a spiral out of control he takes this uh drug called juice which kind of just makes you jacked up and you can't really feel fear or pain and so he decides to fight fire with fire so to speak and uh, inject that drug himself and uh, that's like in place of a superpower that's kind of fun um, well, uh and during the day he realizes that uh, he goes through withdrawal during the day and so he has to start taking morphine and so he's really just you, you kind of start to see him just lose control and go down a pretty dark path.
0: Oh, it's, um, it's a all deadly with the intention drug-fueled do, spiral. You know.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to actually totally steal that from you. Here, go feel and, free, uh, feel free. The,
0: <laughs> you could say Map Bomb calls it awesome, a deadly awesome.
1: drug-fueled spiral of madness. <laughs> Boom, that is happening. That is... L- Literally happening. That's going to be on there. So uh, you're at uh, Facebook. You're
0: at forty nine percent of your goal. How much you trying to raise?
1: We're trying to get to a grand. We're trying to get to a thousand. You know, a thousand. Well, you know, there's just like so much cost and you go into it. And actually, the reason we went with Indiegogo rather than you know Kickstarter um, was for well for a couple reasons. But we, I'm guaranteeing that I'm going to make some mistakes, and I want to make them on a small scale instead of a large scale. You know what I mean? And uh, so we're you know we're going for just like a small little like drop in the bucket and you know it's been awesome people have been super supportive you know i am just amazed because you know when you launch it you're like oh man what if nobody what if literally nobody funds us you yeah. know That's scary. that'd be like super embarrassing and yeah it is it's scary you know taking a little leap out there but people have been supportive even though you know i know times are hard people don't have like loot lying around if you don't have the money like don't worry about it just there's all kinds of ways you could help us out with like a facebook like or you know a twitter follow you know so, um, yeah, it's been super cool, man. Tell
2: us, uh, tell us about the artist.
1: Oh, yeah, the artist, Tamal. He is awesome, man. He, uh, he works out of India. He's just such, like, a talent. He, he renders, like, an incredible service. Like, and I love how he draws veins, you know, it really, like, it really, like, gets to me. I hate needles, which is weird, because I made this character that's <laughs> constantly <laughs> injecting needles into himself. But I, uh, I get so uncomfortable when I look at, uh, some of his pages. But that's, you know, that's what I wanted. That's what I was going for. He's great. His name's Tamal Saha. And, um, you know, there's been like a little communication gap. It's, it's funny working with somebody like halfway across the world. <laughs> but uh, he's a great guy and uh, does great work, you know.
2: Well, yeah, man. The and we have an
1: artist. Looks great. Uh, the Indiegogo has a, an exclusive variant cover, which you'll only be able to get through the Indiegogo campaign. And that's actually done by an artist that works at Midtown Comics named Kirk. I don't even want to try to pronounce his last name. Because <laughs> I'll totally screw it up. But, it's
0: nice of you not to butcher it. But, so, Josh, you guys have a five-page preview that's up on your Indiegogo. You've got a little yes, video yes, that's the first up here, five pages. and then yeah, off to the yeah. side, you've got all different perks. You can give as little as a dollar for a thank you perk. It's a good idea.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I wanted to people, and then we had, I think one person do that but that's like you know it's more than none and i just wanted people to be able to be you know if they don't have like money or they're not really into comics or whatever you know you throw us a buck we're gonna put your name in the back of every copy of issue one you know so you could literally have your name carved in the moros mythos for uh you know hopefully years to come
0: sounds very cool josh thank you for joining us we're gonna have a link to the indiegogo in the show notes for this show and uh here's to hoping you make your goal
1: man well, thank you guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate the love, and uh, thanks for having me on. Right on. Thank you, Josh. I'm your
2: man. If you're desperately looking for a new comic high to stop your wrist from itching, you can contact the Comic Pushers via email or the THN hotline. Tell us what kind of comics, TV, movies, books, video games, whatever that you're into, and we'll suggest a new highly addictive comic read for you. That's how it works. There you go. We got what you need. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the extra size
0: senses-shattering, 170th episode of THN. Not a thing. If you fall for fake anniversary issues as often as we do, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher or tune in where we still need your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little clickable hearts because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners.
2: Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our donors. You keep the show pulsating and festering. Gross. And if you'd like to help keep us in -in glow-in-the-dark foil embossed covers, you can make your donation in any amount using our die-cut PayPal button at 2editnerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation monthly box. I just did air quotes when I said that. And as little as a dollar a month really does help.
0: While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and the Ziggurat hotline 402-819-4894 using this 170-year-old list of resources. You can hit us with your Ask a Nerd comic questions or trivia challenges.
2: I don't think you know how numbers
0: work. Oh, please. You can defend your questionable comic tastes in front of the two-headed judge for our Defenders segment. We would love to have another one of those. They're super fun. Or... Ask us to review your self-published comic it printed, digital, stamped into a cornfield, and only visible from the air, whatever. And don't forget to go sign up for the THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show, jerk your own knees out of joint, or just rap about comics. Remember
2: to follow us on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the answer of the week podcast. But if you need more THN in your life, get over to two nerd.com right now and check out the return of Batman forever by Kevin coffee, little Chris speed reviews by the ever faithful and controversial Aaron Myers. He did not care for Doberman. Oh yeah. That's right. Didn't like no Doberman, huh? And of course, Saturday morning cartoons by the credible Hulk. I could not honestly tell you what he wrote about this week. It's some weird-ass we live-action a- we ninja him a YouTube-
0: warrior kind of thing. We've got to get this guy a YouTube show. I WMAC want
2: him- Masters?
0: What? I don't even know what that is. I want Mystery Science Theater like with Tony Mathers sitting in front of the screen watching these cartoons, just throwing his hands up in silhouette talking about what the hell is going on.
2: I'm into, awesome. I'm into that. I'm
0: into that. Next week, we're going to be reviewing the new Brian Lee O'Malley joint, Seconds, when we host our Take a Look, It's in a Book segment. This week's shout-out goes to Tommy Ramone, who died this past week. Word to you, Tommy. You're the final living member of the greatest punk rock band to ever put on tight jeans. The Ramones, somehow the monkeys, still walk the earth, but all of the Ramones are dead. Yeah, clean living. Long live the Ramones. Until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics because your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. This is The Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.